ask that your spirit be full and that we hear from you. God, we desperately need you. What a crazy place the world is. And we need some sanity, and you are the author of that. So speak to us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I thought of a verse uh, in starting this sermon. It's from Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 17. And this is from the Contemporary English Version. I saw everything God does, and I realized no one can really understand what happens. We may be very wise, but no matter how much we try or how much we claim to know, we cannot understand it all. It is crazy world. We look out and we try to make sense out of what we see. We try to discover answers. And there are two ways this text speaks of that. The first, he, he says, hey, I looked out and I realized no one really understands everything. He says, we may be very wise, but no matter how much we try. So there is that effort of, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to conquer this. I'm going to come out on top. I will continue with all of my strength. And then there's a second way to handle this. And he says, or how much we claim to know. These are the experts. The people who claim to have it all together. But let me tell you a little secret. They don't have it all together. Why is that? Because the truth is we are a weak bunch of people. We try to make ourselves look better than we are. We try to act as if we know what's going on. But the truth of the matter is we need God. We desperately need God in our life because we cannot understand it all. And certainly this issue that is found in Psalm 49, it's a, it's a pretty pointed issue. It's the issue of death. I may try desperately to understand death, why we die. I may work hard to avoid death. Uh, tummy tucks, uh, stretched faces, uh, you know, eat well. Or someone has said, you know, no matter how much of a health nut you are, someday you'll be laying in a hospital bed saying, I did all that. Why am I dying? Because we cannot avoid death. The only way death will not occur is if the Lord Jesus Christ returns first. And as a matter of fact, the scripture tells us that we're like a mist, appears for a little while, then vanishes, or like a shadow that moves quickly. Our lives go by so fast. And we're going to look at three points this morning in the message. The first is life is unstable. Look at these first couple of verses. He, he says, hear this, all you peoples. So he's speaking to everybody. Nobody is exempt from his words. All who live in this world, it says in verse 1, both low and high, rich and poor alike. Man, it doesn't matter how cool you are, how much influence, how much power you have, or if you don't have any of that stuff. No one can escape. The message of the psalmist. He goes on. He says, my mouth will speak words of wisdom. The meditation of my heart will give you understanding. I will turn my ear to a proverb with a harp. I will expound my riddle. And then here's verse 5. He says, why should I fear when evil days come, when wicked deceivers surround me? He says, look, life has its challenges. 
things are not always what they appear to be. Some people will deceive. It is hard to discover answers or even to know where to look. Malcolm Mugridge once said this. He said, I have one foot in heaven and one foot on earth, and the foot on earth is on a banana peel. And life sometimes feels slippery, hard to understand, hard to grasp. The book of Ecclesiastes deals with this very subject. Throughout the whole book, uh, words are used according to the translation, all is vanity, or vanity of vanities. Um, All is empty. I know in the translation I use, the NIV, he says, um, all is meaningless. So he was really bummed out as he looked at the circumstances that were around him. Uh, Here's a verse from uh, chapter 6, verse 12 of Ecclesiastes. For who knows what is good for a a person in life during the few and meaningless days they pass through like a shadow. Who can tell them what will happen under the sun after they are gone? There are basically three words in the Greek that speak of life. The first one is bias, and it's from the word we get biology. And this is talking about life physically. You know, you got to have those flowing locks of hair. Well, I'm past that, the flowing locks, no. One time, Cindy was cutting my hair, and she looked down top of my head, and she goes, oh, no. <laughs> That's not right, is it? Man. And, and, you know, we can do things to try to deceive time, but the truth of the matter is time doesn't stop, and we are certainly headed toward death. So our physical bodies, uh, it says in 2 Corinthians 4, um, 16, our outward, our outward bodies are wasting away. It's the truth of that. There's another word. Uh, the second word is the word psyche. And, of course, that's the word that talks about our emotional state, how we feel on the inside. And you know as well as I do, there are some days I feel great. And there are other days, yuck. I don't want to get out of bed. And it's amazing how many people that I talked to uh, over the past couple of years who have high anxiety, who have trouble functioning, making decisions because they feel overwhelmed. So life is not merely found in how I feel on the inside, how I decipher uh, the situation around me by my emotions. And then there's a third word that's used, and it is the word for life, which we translate everlasting life or eternal life, it shows up 143 times in the New Testament. And it's not merely talking about a life in the future when you go to heaven, but it's it's talking about a quality of life that begins at a certain point and carries you through the rest of eternity. It is a life that you find in Christ alone. John 5, 24, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has crossed over from death will not be condemned. That's, that's the message of Christ. John 3, 3, he says, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So there is a life that happens when we meet and encounter the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I love baptism because it is a picture of that life. You know, you go into the water, I always tell people, you stay in the water too long, what happens? Yeah. You drown, you die. So it's a picture of dying to self, to an old way of life before you met God. And when you come out of the water, it's a picture of new life. 
It's like, yes, I am a transformed, changed person through the presence of Jesus Christ. He's come to live in me and made me a different person to follow Him. This is the kind of life that is what is needed to handle this crazy world. Second point. (laughs) Death is universal. Notice again the first couple of verses. Hear this, all you peoples. Everybody's got to worry about death. Nobody's exempt. Listen, all who live in this world, both high and low, rich and poor alike. And then drop down to verse 6. Those who trust in their wealth and boast of their great riches, no man can redeem the life of another. So you, you can't you can't pay enough to earn eternal life, and you can't pay enough to escape death. You can't trick your way out of death. I listened, I started listening to uh, this video. I I told myself I'm not going to watch it all because it was an hour long, but I did. I can tell. Frank Abernell. Anyway, if you're seeing the movie, catch me if you can. Man, that guy, he kept saying, I'm really not that smart. I just wanted to smack him if I could, okay? When he was 16 years old, he was brought into a courtroom with both of his parents. Both of his parents were getting a divorce, and the judge said, you have to choose which parent you want to live with. Frank, at 16 years old, said, I couldn't handle it. He ran out of the room and disappeared for seven years. And in seven years, he impersonated an airplane pilot, a doctor, and a lawyer. He passed the bar exam, legal bar exam, and he says, I'm not that smart. <laughs> and anyway, he, he came to the end of that, and I was just, you know, I was listening to him, and, and he, w- he was talking about the struggles, and he said, you'd say, wow, what a life. And he said, I cried myself to sleep every night because my family was broken. My life was broken. I was pretending to be somebody that I was not. And I wish I could say that he came to Christ. I never heard through that hour, even though I was transfixed a lot of what he said, that he had made a commitment to Christ. Because Christ is the only one who will not let you down. It says in Proverbs 18, 24, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And that's the Lord. Listen to this quote from Matthew McCullough. He writes, death is a biological event, the end of the heart beating, the lungs breathing, the brain processing. But it's also far more. There's no confining death to the moment at which your life ends. Its effects are everywhere. Death is not so much an event as a process with a final culmination, a siphoning process that separates us from what we love so that in the end, everyone loses everything. Now, think about it. This is a psalm. You know what the psalm is? It is an ancient worship songbook. People would sing these songs and praise and worship to God. And, and, you know, you think, wow, dude, you stand up there and you pump everybody up singing about, it doesn't matter how much you have, death's going to get you, it's going to catch you. I mean, come on. What kind of worship is that? You could say, man, this guy, he was being fatalistic. But the truth is he was being realistic. You can't really know how to live until you're ready to face how to die. And that is really the message of the psalm. It's the point he's trying to get across. <laughs> Listen to this blurb I found. He said, 
one day your home will be six feet under some plot of ground, as mine will be. <laughs> so you can stay healthy until then. You can run. You can take vitamins. You can pump iron. You can count your calories. You can stretch your face past your earlobe. But you're going to lose. One day you'll keep an appointment with death. A Washington, D.C. undertaker signs all of his correspondence, eventually yours. Verse 7, no one can redeem the life of another or give to God a ransom for them. Listen to uh, verse 11. Their tombs will remain their houses forever, their dwellings for endless generations, though they had named lands after themselves. We have an identity. We have a home. We, we have a picture of who we think of ourselves as. But the truth of the matter is, man, I know it's not as all, it's passing. Time goes by so quick. I'm getting to age now. I'm thinking, you know, I asked Cindy, is that five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago? Asked the other day, I asked her, I said, is that 15 years ago? And I think it's five years ago. So I can't go either direction. I just know that my clock is broken <laughs> and that I just can't. But he's saying here, these homes that you've named yourself after, that you want to um, have a piece of history tied to, man, you're still going to die. You, what you hold on to is not going to keep you alive. Only God can do that for eternal life. Only he can do that work. There are many people who, you know, they try to escape death. As a matter of fact, I uh, had read this one article. This is based from a book uh, called The God's Hill, Silicon Valley's Quest for Eternal Life. One of the founders of Google, and I tried to get where I could pronounce this right, but I'll probably not pronounce it right. Thomas and all you guys that know this stuff, right? Uh, Sergey Brin, that's my shot at this, along with some other wealthy people, donated $25 million with the goal of putting an end to aging forever. And here's what the surgeon went on to say. He said, no, I'm not actually planning to die. Good luck, brother. It's one of those things that takes more than to just throw some money at it in order to accomplish such a feat because we're all headed toward that doorway, toward that transition. And the truth of the matter is, the only way to have any idea of what you're doing next is to die. The truth from the word, it tells you death is not the end, but there is life. I love, there's a, one of my favorite verses in 2 Corinthians 5, and he says, we will be swallowed up by life. What a picture of death, swallowed up by life. We don't think of it that way. But in a sense, we can't fully grasp to pass from this life to the next is to know life more fully than we've ever known it before. And that promise is given to us through Christ Jesus. You see, we're going to live even after death. The problem is where? That is the issue. Paul Harvey, man, I used to love to hear his stories. Here's one of the stories he told. He said there was a guy, he was driving home, and uh, he was so sleepy. He hadn't got enough sleep, so he fell asleep, and he hit a, the sign at a gas station. It happened to be a shell station. He woke up. He didn't realize that the impact of the car on the sign had knocked off the first letter. It was a shell station. 
exactly where I'm going? It said, hell, open 24 hours. <laughs> Death is universal. There's that picture. And then there's one more, guys, as we close out. Redemption is possible. Look at, at verses 14 and 15. Like sheep, they're destined for the grave. That's where all of us are headed. Death will feed on them. The upright will rule over them in the morning. Their forms will decay in the grave. Man, far from their princely mansion. What, what a bleak outlook. And then comes what our series is, verse 15. But God, thank you, God, thank God. But God will redeem my soul from the grave. He will surely take me to himself. God will redeem. The word redeem means to buy back. It is a picture who, of someone who is in bondage. Someone who does not have freedom. Someone who is trapped. And what the psalmist is saying here, you're trapped by death. But God, I love it. He says, but God will redeem you. God will buy you back. God will pay the price that you could not possibly pay. And he did that through the cross of Calvary. That's how he accomplished it. That's how he set us free. You, you can't pay a price to free anyone through your own efforts, but God paid the price to free all of us. God will redeem the one who comes to him and who humbly asks, God, I can't do it. I'm going to take your perfect gift of Jesus Christ, what he did at Calvary, and I want that to be my, my life. I, I, I want your forgiveness. And he says that when you believe, when you place your confidence in him in such a manner, man, things change. You're set free from sin. It's a new start. It's a new way to live. And even though death is a portal you go through, the other side is greater than we can even imagine or fathom. Uh, I saw a couple of the questions on heaven tonight that us guys are going to try to take a shot at with that. But the point is, whether we're right or wrong, it's better than we can imagine. The good thing is he's It's wonderful to know that he holds the keys of life and death. And through Christ, there is life. And that he will receive us. We close in that verse 15. He is waiting on us. When you trust Christ, there, there is a confidence. There is an expectation. No matter what happens to me, the end is good. I go through some bad stuff. But I have a God who has paid the price for me who has worked it all out, and even though I can't grasp and understand a lot of what is going on, and certainly death falls into that category, I have a Savior who has fully paid for it. And when I place my trust and my confidence in Him, I can rest in that. Here's a couple of verses, Psalm 73, 24. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me in glory. So while we're here, He gives us counsel we need. And when it comes time for death, he holds our hand and takes us through to glory. Uh, this is Genesis 5.24. Many of you guys have been in church a long time. Remember this guy. Enoch walked faithfully with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. Said he lived like 65 years after he said, then for 300 years he walked with God. Can you imagine? He's walking with God, and he's, he's having such a great time walking with God. I mean, he's just content. Maybe a little happy, but you don't have to. You know, it's not about how high you jump or scream or shout necessarily, but you can do some of that. We Baptists forget, I think. 
but, but you can't do something. But the, but the point is that he walked with God in such a way that God just said, man, you're acting like you're already in heaven, so come on up. And he, he, he just carried him away. He took him up, and guess what? One day, if you are in Christ Jesus, if you have encountered him, and he has entered your life, and he's forgiven you, and he's changed you, you'll be taken away, dear. Now, he, two ways he'll come back and get us, as it, it talks about in the scriptures, but the other way is we pass through the portal called death and we go to meet him. But either way, we will be with him for to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Job 19, 25 through 27. Now think, this is Job, this is many years before Jesus Christ was ministering upon the earth, God in human form. But Job had a hope. You know, often when we talk about hope, I hope you have a good day. Well, really, you know, we're saying... I'm, I'm rooting for you, buddy. You know, my, my mind is with you. My prayers are with you. And, and I want to see you do well. But there's more here. What he is saying is, I will meet it. I will meet my Redeemer. It will not just be a hope of what I expect to happen or what I would like to see occur or pass on good vibes. I want you to hear what he says. He says, I'm going to meet him, my Redeemer. Listen to these words. This is great. This is Job 19, 25 through 27. I know that my Redeemer lives, and in, in the end, he will stand on the earth, and after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I am not another how my heart yearns for God. That day will occur for the child of God. We will see him face to face. We'll see the Savior. And we'll worship Him. And it will be an awesome, beautiful time. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will never die. Because in that sense, He carries us through that portal known as death. He gives us confidence. Verse 16, I'm almost done. I'm about to say that. First preacher say that and be gone by then. I'm going to try. Uh, do not be... Overall, when a man grows rich and the splendor of his house increases, for he will take nothing with him when he dies. His splendor will not descend with him. Though while he lived, he counted himself blessed, and men praise you when you prosper. He will join the generation of his fathers who will never see the light of life. A man who has riches without understanding is like the beast that perish. Makes me think of the Egyptians, you know, they would place in their tombs all these treasures for the afterlife. And yet the scriptures tell us that um, we're not going to take anything with us that's material. Um, I love in the text with Job, as he starts out in 121, he says, I'm naked, I was born, I came here, and naked I will depart. Uh, we're not taking a load of stuff. As someone has said, you know, you don't take a U-Haul to heaven with stuff that's packed up good. A man who has honor yet does not understand is described as a beast of the field. In other words, look at that. I think it's verse verse 13. He says, this is the fate of those who trust in themselves and of their followers who approve of themselves. 
what the psalmist is saying. Man, I, I pity you if all you live for is this world. I pity you if all your hope is just in the numbers in your bank account or how big your home is or how much property you own. My heart breaks for you if that is the only hope that you have because there is a hope in Christ that is an everlasting hope. And the psalmist is trying to make the point these are empty. I don't know where you got that. Maybe there is someone here who has never had that one-on-one encounter with Jesus. And I'm talking not even necessarily someone else has spoken to you. I'm talking about when God speaks to you. And it just makes sense. Someone has said, you know, one day I heard the gospel, I heard the gospel, I heard the gospel, I heard the gospel, and one day I heard God. Maybe today is that last day. You've heard it, you've heard it, you've heard it, you've heard it. This one we really haven't. Man, we would love to celebrate with you. We would love to be able to pray with you and, and, and to celebrate with you finding what matters, which is a relationship with God, which is the answer to this issue in death. And to be able to to be able to share the baptismal waters, man, that'd be that'd be awesome. But we just want God to work among us. Maybe there are other needs that are represented here, and God has spoken to you in some way. We have an altar that's open if, if you want to come and pray, or maybe something to share before the service. I just want the Holy Spirit to be poured out. So I'm going to pray briefly. Come to front. We'll have an invitation, but a chance to respond to God. God. Uh, here we are again. You know us, Lord. We don't even realize how we are. And yet you have not run away. <laughs> you have stayed here to meet us because you are not ashamed of us. You desperately want us to turn to you and find life, everlasting life, meaning for living here. So God, I pray that you speak to us. I pray that we respond to you. And God, we just wait upon you, Lord. Speak to our hearts, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray.